Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and today we have Mark Andre from VitalDollar.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. And can you tell us a little bit about your history and background? Sure. So I have been a full-time blogger slash internet marketer since 2008. I started my first blog in 2007 as a side hustle while I was working full-time I actually had a job as an auditor in a finance company at the time. And I I ran my blog for about a year and a half part-time until I got to the point where I was able to replace my full-time job. And so I left my job in late 2008. And so it's now been a little over 11, 11 and a half years since I left my job. And I've been full-time self-employed since then. I've had a few different blogs. That first blog that I ran was a web design blog. Uh, I ran that for several years and sold it in 2013. After that, I ran a few photography blogs and uh, I've since sold those. And now, as you mentioned, I'm running a personal finance blog called VitalDollar.com. How did you get the idea to start blogging and, and what topics to blog on? Originally, going back to when I very first started, I started blogging as a means to get traffic to a portfolio site that I created. So I had been doing a little bit of web design on the side for very small businesses like entrepreneurs that ran their own business and a few cases like some small nonprofits and stuff. I started just by doing a few websites for people in my family, like cousins and stuff that had a business. And I thought I really enjoyed it. And I thought it would be nice if I could pick up some clients outside of my family, make some extra money. And so I set up a little portfolio site with the websites that I had designed And I was definitely a beginner. I wasn't a professional designer or anything. And I knew that if I wanted to get people, you know, to to hire me, I needed to get traffic to my website. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to rank on the first page of Google for general terms like web designer or best web design or anything like that, just because it's way too competitive. And I just had a small little site. So I decided to, to start a blog and put articles out there that maybe people would come across. And ultimately they would, you know, if they were out looking for information on a website, they would come across my website and contact me and eventually hire me. So that was the reason I started blogging was simply just to try to get traffic to my portfolio site and then ultimately try to get clients. And it did work. I did get a number of clients that way. But shortly after I I started, you know, within the first few months, I was getting clients, but I wasn't really enjoying it. And I realized that I liked working on the blog a lot more than I liked doing the client work. And the blog was growing really quickly. So I kind of changed my focus at that point and decided to focus more on growing the blog. And I scaled back on the client work. I still continued to do a little bit, but not as much. And I really didn't pursue the client work so much at that point. 
When you sold your various blogs, how did that come about? Did someone contact you and say, we want to buy this? Or did you seek that out? Or how does that even work? There's a few different ways that you can go about selling a website or a blog or any type of online business. You could go through a broker. There are brokers that handle specifically online businesses. It could be blogs, e-commerce sites, Amazon FBA businesses. So you could go through a broker. You could also list it on a marketplace. There are a few marketplaces. The one that's popular is called Flippa. It's F-L-I-P-P-A, Flippa.com. And that is actually was my introduction to selling websites. So the first website I sold was actually not the first one I started. So I started that first one in 2007. I wound up starting another one, I think a year later in 2008. And that one that I started in 2008, I wound up selling in 2010 because I just didn't have time to manage both sites that I was working on. So that first one that I sold, I listed it on Flippa. So all you do is basically, you know, create a listing. You give out the information of your website. You put a buy it now price. It's basically like an auction type of thing. People bid on it and they can ask questions about your website, whatever. And so I had it listed for, I think, probably like 10 days or something like that. And I got a few different bidders and ultimately I wound up selling it for about $50,000. And the guy who bought that site from me wound up doing really well with it. It turned out to be a good investment for him. And so he would email me every now and then and say, hey, you interested in selling your other site? I wasn't for a long time, but eventually I did decide to sell a few years later. And so he actually wound up ultimately buying that site from me as well. So that was through my, I, I did reach out to some other people in my network to see if there was interest from other people as well. Uh, and I did get a little bit of interest from other people, but it was the same guy that actually ultimately bought it. So I wound up selling it just through my connections rather than going to a broker. And is that one of the ones that was like 500000 Yeah, that one sold for $500,000 in 2013. So I guess... It's kind of like you build up an audience and then whoever's looking to buy that domain or that blog can see the value of that audience. And basically, they just take over the blog basically at that point or. Yeah, everything got transferred. So it involved the domain name. So like, say you have your domain name registered at GoDaddy. There's a very simple process. You just go in to your GoDaddy account and transfer it to another owner. For the web hosting, I basically just gave the buyer my login information and he went in and changed the billing information so that it's in his name. So we didn't actually have to transfer the website from one host to another. We just kind of transferred ownership of the account. But everything, you know, all of your affiliate accounts or whatever logins, like I used Aweber for email marketing. So all of that stuff gets transferred. So the bigger the site is, you know, the more logins you have. There are a lot of things to, you know, a lot of moving pieces that you have to transfer in the process. But ultimately, yeah, it was, he was looking to to get the profit of the site, basically. So the existing audience of the site was important too, but most buyers are strictly looking at, or maybe not strictly looking at, but mainly looking at the profit that the site is making, and they're going to value the website based on how long it's going to take them to recover their investment and then turn a profit on it. So an investor might say, I'm willing to pay 30 months worth of profit or three years. So they might say, you know, what? how much profit has the site made in the past 12 months? Maybe it's averaged $5,000 per month or $60,000 profit in the last 12 months. And then they might say, okay, I'm willing to pay three years 
So that would be, you know, $60,000 times three, so $180,000. That might be how they go about valuing the business. Every buyer, of course, is going to be different in terms of how they look at it. But that's generally how it goes for the most part. They look at the profit that it's making and how fast they can turn that around. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So speaking of profit, for people who are interested in starting a blog, what are the different ways that someone could monetize the blog aside from your own products and services? I would say there are a few main categories. Obviously, you just mentioned products. Could be a digital product or physical product or a service. Other categories would be ad revenue. Usually it's display ads like banner ads. Could be through Google AdSense. Could be through another ad network. Then there's affiliate programs where, you know, you're joining different affiliate programs, either through affiliate networks or directly through other sites like Amazon or some other site. And you're promoting products for somebody else and earning a commission when somebody makes a purchase. And then the other major category is sponsored content. So a brand would pay you a fee in order to publish a post about their product or their service. And sometimes it might be a review. Sometimes it might be a tutorial where you're showing how to use something or whatever, but basically they're paying you to get exposure to your audience. So those are the the main categories. There's obviously a lot of different ways that you can make money with a blog, but for the most part, they fall into five different categories, ads, affiliate, sponsored content, products or services. Yeah, I mainly only do product services and affiliate marketing. I looked into AdSense, but I wasn't quite sure how to set it up because it was like the ads were showing up in the weirdest places and it just looked weird. And so I turned it off. I'll probably look into it again and turn it back on. But with, with AdSense, you have to insert the code manually. And AdSense also, with most websites, you don't earn a whole lot. You know, some websites do really well with AdSense, but For the majority of sites, you're earning a pretty small commission when somebody clicks. But if you go with one of the other ad networks, and some of the bigger ones require you to have a certain number of page views in order to get into their program, and that's why, you know, it's a little bit harder. People use AdSense because it's easier. But the other ad networks like Monumetric, for one, Mediavine, AdThrive, they will actually set up the ads for you so you don't have to deal with your ads showing up in weird places. You just have to get approved to their network and then they'll handle the details of ad placements for you. Okay. So what is the average AdSense compared to, say, Mediavine and all those others? What is the difference, would you say, like percentage-wise? It really varies depending on the nature of the industry. I mean, I've had websites at the same exact time on the same network that earned like drastically different ad revenue. Like I had two websites that had very similar levels of traffic on Monumetric and one was earning about 10 to $20 every thousand page views. And the other one was getting like $5 every thousand page views. So, I mean, it was like three or four times. One site was like three or four times what the other was earning. So it really varies depending on the site. I think if you were to take like a generalized look at it, I would think it probably would be about double that you could do with like a good ad network like Mediavine or AdThrive. I think you could probably double what you would make with AdSense, but it's been a long time since I've used AdSense, to be honest. I just don't really like it and I know it doesn't generally do that well. So that's kind of a guess. Yeah. And I think AdSense is really the only one you can do when you're starting out. I don't believe they have requirements and whatnot, whereas everyone right. else, what yeah. are their requirements usually like at least 10 or 50,000 page views a, a month or something for the others? Yeah. So Monumetric requires 10,000 page views per month, and you don't necessarily have to have that every month. You need that like in the last 30 days to get approved. 
but like I've had sites on there and then the traffic has fallen and they're not going to kick you out because your traffic is low. At least from my experience, they haven't, but you need like one month before you apply to have 10,000 page views, which sounds like a lot, but when you break it down, it's really not that bad. If you're getting like a 1.5 page views per visitor, which is fairly normal for a blog, it's somewhere between like two and 300 visitors a day. So it's not nothing, but it's not like, you know, some astronomical level that you have to hit. And then Mediavine requires 25,000 sessions. They measure it in sessions instead of page views. So a session is like anytime someone comes to your website, if the same person comes to your website twice, like in a 24 hour period, that would be two sessions. If the same person comes to your website one, or if a person comes to your website once and they look at two pages, that would count as one session and two pages. So getting to 25,000 sessions for Mediavine is a little bit harder than getting to 25,000 pages, but that one's next. And then AdThrive requires 100,000 pages. So that's uh, the highest one to reach. And with the sponsored ads, how do you, I guess, do you contact these companies directly? Like if you think they'd be a good fit for your blog or do they usually contact you? can be either. There are also some networks that you can use. The networks are a good place to get started. You're not going to earn like top dollar at the networks, but there's one called Blogdash. I think it's blogdash.com and there's another one blog, brand meets blog or blog meets brand. I think it's uh, brand meets blog. And they're basically like you would sign up as a blogger and then brands who are interested in finding blogs to, to host their content can, you know, scan through the database and find bloggers that might be a good fit with their particular brand in terms of, you know, matching up the audience and stuff. So those are, can be a good place because you can kind of create your profile and then some people can contact you. You will get some unsolicited emails through your website. The one issue with that, especially as a newer blogger, is a lot of people will contact you and say they want sponsored content, but really all they're looking to do is buy a link. If someone contacts you and they say they want sponsored content, it can mean a couple different things. So like when I sell sponsored content on my website, I if I publish, say it's a review of a particular company, I will at the top of the page say this post is sponsored by ABC Company, you know, just for disclosure purposes and to meet FTC guidelines and everything. And then any links to that, to their website, any links to the sponsor, I know follow, which is in compliance with Google's terms of service because they don't want people buying and selling links because it messes up with their search algorithm. But people still want to buy links because they want to increase their search rank. So a lot of people will email you and say, I want to do sponsored content, but they will only do it if you give them a followed link, which is in violation of Google's terms. And if you get caught doing it, you can get penalized by Google. So I would definitely discourage people from doing that. So my way of distinguishing it is if someone contacts me about sponsoring a post, I respond to them. I will be sure to tell them right away that anything, any sponsored post is going to be marked as sponsored and all the links in the post will be no followed. And if they're okay with that, then they're probably a good fit with what I want to do. But if they're just after the SEO benefits, they're going to object to that and they're not going to be interested. And then you can just move on and it's not a good fit. So some people will contact you and say they want sponsored content, but really they just want to buy a link from your site. Oh, okay. I see. And do people ever offer to pay you to write an article on their site? Because I, I, I know that you can have other people write an article on your site and you pay them. Usually, I, I've seen usually it's like maybe about 150 an article or something, but does it work the other way around as well for them to get more publicity or backlinks or whatever? Yeah. So 
I mean, as a as a blog owner, you can definitely hire freelance writers to write for your site. And that's going to, you know, the rates are all over the place. You can hire some people for $10 to write an article or even less and others for hundreds. You know, the rates, like I said, are, they're just all over the place. It depends who's doing it, quality you want, where that person lives. You know, a lot of people outside of the U.S. will do it for really cheap. And then if you want to get paid for someone, you know, to write for someone else. Yes, you you could work as a freelance writer. And I actually do some freelance writing for other blogs where I get paid to write articles that get published at other sites. But if I'm getting paid, it's the article isn't intended to promote me or my website. I don't link to my website generally. I'm just doing it basically to to make money from writing the article as a as a service. Okay, yeah. And of course, for people to to be able to make money from their blog in any way, shape, or form, they have to have traffic coming to it. So what are the best ways other than, I suppose, making sure your SEO is good? Are there other ways to get traffic to your site and even ways to improve SEO? Search engine traffic is definitely important, and that's something that I would recommend prioritizing as a blogger. But the downside to search engine traffic is that it takes time to build up. As a new blogger, if you start a blog today, Google's not going to instantly start sending traffic to your site. It takes time. They have to essentially like build up, you have to build up trust with Google. And so most new sites, most new blogs are not going to get very much search traffic at all for like six months to 12 months. You'll start to get some traffic and it will slowly trickle up, but you can't expect to start a site today and like start to get a significant amount of search visitors next week. It just doesn't usually happen that way. So as a new blogger, you really, even though you want to prioritize search traffic and you want to build a site that eventually gets search traffic, you need to look to other methods to start growing your blog. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting for a really long time to start getting traffic. So I'd say the most common for growing traffic from new bloggers is probably social media because you can be active on Pinterest. Pinterest can be really good for traffic because most Pinterest users are there looking for content. It's not like, like Facebook can be good for traffic too, but most people, when they go to Facebook, they want to connect with friends. They want to see what their friends and family are doing. They want to share pictures of their kids or something like that. They're not really going to Facebook to find blog content. Whereas Somebody might go to Pinterest to find a recipe or a DIY tutorial or some other type of content. They're going to Pinterest to find stuff and they're perfectly okay with clicking a link and going to someone else's website. So Pinterest can be good for traffic. Facebook can be too. There are also like Facebook groups that as a new blogger, you could join. Some of them are specifically blogger groups where you might say you have a a blog article you're looking to get some traffic to. Maybe you'll drop a link to your article and people will share it either Twitter, Pinterest, or some other social network. And then you'll reciprocate by sharing someone else's content. You're not going to get a ton of traffic from those types of things, but they can be a way to start to get the ball rolling. You can also write articles for other blogs. We talked about freelance writing just a minute ago. Well, you can also write articles for other blogs without being paid. It's usually referred to a guest as a guest post. So basically you would contact another blogger and pitch them on an idea that you have for a blog post that you think would be a good fit for their site. And they may give you the go ahead to write the article. So you could write the article and you get an author bio with a link back to your website. You may also be able to get a link in the body of the article, depending on who's hosting the the article. So that can be a way to start to get 
some traffic to your site can also be a good way to start to get your name out there. So readers start to see your name and get familiar with you, even if they're not clicking through to your site, builds up some name recognition. So guest posting is one. And the other thing you can do is you can try to leverage other people's audience to get traffic to your content. You can do that by reaching out to people after you publish the post. So in most of the articles that you write are probably going to link out to a few other blogs or a few other websites. And if you reach out to that person after you publish the article, like say, for example, I'm a new blogger, I write an article and I link to your website. After I publish the article, I could email you and say, hi, Sarah, my name's Mark. I have this blog. I just wrote this article on whatever topic. And I wanted to let you know that I linked to your article that you wrote on XYZ. It's a really great resource. Thanks for providing it. And you could ask, I could say, would you mind sharing a link, sharing my article through your Twitter profile or something like that? And a lot of people will share that if you've linked to them or mentioned them because they, you know, they like the extra exposure. So you can do that by basically just reaching out to people that you've linked to or that you've featured in your articles. Some people will do what's often referred to as an expert roundup. So I would like say if my my blog is about personal finance, so I could reach out to a bunch of different bloggers and ask them a particular question like, what's your favorite budgeting tip? And then I would get responses from say like 25 different bloggers respond to me and give me their favorite budgeting tip. So then I write an article on like 25 budgeting tips and I list, you know, the responses from each person and I link back to their website. And then after that article is published, I would reach out to all of those 25 people and say, the article's been published. Here's the link. Would you mind sharing it through your social profiles? And most people will share it. Not everyone, but most people will. So as a new blogger, those types of things, again, like I said, with some of the other methods, that in and of itself is not going to send floods of traffic to your website. You can't do it once and think that like, okay, now I'm set because I'm going to get tons of traffic. But if you do those types of things repeatedly, it will start to add up and you'll start to get some momentum. You'll start to get some traffic. Those are some things that you can can do as a new blogger before waiting for Google to start sending search traffic. Okay. Yeah. Those are good suggestions. So do you think that blogging is still like, I mean, when you sold yours for 500,000, was that kind of a rare fluke type thing? Or is that a fairly common occurrence for people to be able to sell blogs uh, or to even, even if they keep the blog to be able to make a consistent income from it? Or do you see, I mean, obviously blogging is still relevant. That's not my question, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, Yeah, no, it, I, I know what you mean. But to be honest, I I do think it was a little bit easier when I started. There were fewer blogs online in 2007 than there are today. So there was a little bit less competition for search engine rankings, for attention on social media and stuff. So yes, I do think it was a little bit easier then, but there are some advantages now too. I think there are more advertisers now. I think there are more affiliate programs. There are better affiliate programs. I think more companies are... people companies are spending more of their advertising dollars online. Whereas in 2007, like, you know, people were spending money online, but not like they are today. And so I think there are more options for monetizing a blog today than there were back then. In terms of the sale, if you have a website that's making consistent profit, there's definitely value and there are people who would be interested in buying it. Earlier, I mentioned that a buyer is going to take a look at your average profit, multiply by a certain number and determine how much the value, how much that website is worth to them. And 
the valuation of businesses has increased. If I had the exact same business that I sold in 2013, I sold it for $500,000. Very confident, not 100% confident, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that I could sell it for probably closer to $700,000 today just because there are more buyers and buyers are valuing online businesses higher than they were back then. So yeah, some things are harder now than they were then, but there are also some other opportunities now that there weren't. So in my opinion, it kind of balances out. I definitely don't want to make it sound like blogging is easy and you can start a blog and just sit back and make a lot of money. It's definitely work, but there are plenty of opportunities there. And I definitely don't think you know, that window or the best opportunities have passed. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. So what would be your tips for someone who's just starting a blog? I think the first thing you need to do is really narrow down your ideal audience or your target audience, your avatar or whatever you want to call it. You need to know exactly who you're writing for, who you're trying to reach. I think when we talk about blogging or making money blogging, a lot of people kind of think about personal blogs because a lot of people don't really look at blogs as a business. So you think about like, you know, someone has a personal blog, they're just writing about whatever they want to write about their their personal life, their family, whatever their interests are. It's kind of scattered. If you're just doing it for fun, that's totally fine. You can just write about whatever you want. But when you want to make money, you need to take a targeted approach and have an idea of the exact audience that you want to reach. So I think the first thing you really need to do is narrow down and decide exactly who you're trying to reach because that really dictates everything that you do with your blog. It dictates the content that you write, the types of articles that you write. Like for example, are you writing like detailed tutorials? Are you writing more humorous content, just a different style that you're taking? It can impact things like the design that you use for your site, the colors, logos. It definitely will impact your monetization and can also impact how you go about getting traffic. Like I mentioned social networks before, if you are a mom blogger, you're going to want to be on Pinterest because that's where other moms are. You know, if you're in some other niche where people hang out on Facebook or LinkedIn or some other social network, then that's where you're going to want to be. So you really need to know your audience first, because I think that really dictates everything that you do with your blog. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And if people want to learn more about you or visit your blog or you have that free blogging course as well, would they just go to vitaldollar.com or? Yeah, my website is vitaldollar.com. It's a personal finance blog. It has articles about saving money, managing money, making money. I, I do have some content on blogging, but there's a lot of other side hustles and ways to make money that are covered there as well. And as you mentioned, I do have a free blogging course. It's basically intended for people who are just getting started and covers things like setting up your blog, choosing a topic, choosing a domain name, the technical aspects of getting WordPress set up. And that, if, if you go to the site up in the navigation menu, there's um, a link that says courses. And that, that course is called Blog Launch Breakthrough. It's a free course. And then I do have another course as well that covers, that has to be purchased, that covers more detailed stuff on like getting traffic and making money with your blog. Okay. I'll have to check that one out because I'm just doing the free one right now. But yeah, I guess I don't know if I saw that one, but maybe that'll be a, a good follow-up course for me to take. I appreciate your time. And I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, 
review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.